Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. I will not try to preach without using words this morning. That would be really difficult. But I do want to thank everybody for your kind cards and thoughts expressed on the occasion of my 10 years here at New Life. I haven't been able to actually read through them all yet, but I deeply appreciate your thoughtfulness. I feel very cared for in that, so thank you for that. I felt somewhat like a celebrity. I felt like an actor who was revered. You know, it's actually a bit bewildering how much veneration we show toward actors and actresses. How'd you like that for a segue? It is, though, really bewildering how much we venerate actors and actresses. I mean, we make a big deal out of award shows like the Oscars and how many Oscars people win. And what exactly is the main achievement in that? Convincingly playing a role? You know, it's also interesting that our Congress has invited actors and actresses to testify before them on a variety of issues ranging from the funding of medical research to environmental concerns to U.S. foreign policy. I mean, isn't that strange? I mean, what exactly qualifies George Clooney to address the civil strife happening in the Sudan? Or what qualifies Ben Affleck to address the political situation in the Congo? Well, they've convincingly played characters, pretended to be characters in films. And what's really all that great and impressive about that? Because if the truth be told this morning, we are all very capable of putting on some incredible acting performances, sometimes even in church. Because I would venture to guess that there have been some Oscar-worthy performances that have happened here at New Life already this morning. Because the truth is, some of you don't want to be here, but you're acting like you do. Some of you don't really want to be here. Some of you don't want to be around people. But you faked a smile and a warm greeting during greeting time and acted interested when people told you what was going on in their life. But you didn't really feel like that. It was an act. And you feel deeply wounded and hurt by what that person said or what that person did who's sitting two rows in front of you this morning. But you're acting like everything's okay. And some of you are here and you don't really want to worship. You just are going through the motions of worship this morning. You just mouthed the words of the songs that we sang. You didn't really confess a single sin during the time of confession. You checked out during pastoral prayer. You couldn't relay a single thing that Kurt just prayed for because you were checked out, but you played the role convincingly because you closed your eyes and you bowed your head. Some of you might be checked out right now, unless maybe I'm hitting a nerve If I'm hitting a nerve, you might be thinking, why are you making these assumptions about us like this? That sometimes we're just acting and our heart isn't in it. Well, the reason I make that assumption is because, remember, sometimes I'm sitting out where you are, too. And these are the kinds of things that are happening with me at times. The truth is that we're all capable of faking our moods, of measuring our words very carefully and just saying the lines that we know we're supposed to say at church. We learn to be pretty skilled at acting, at acting like good Christians. 
But let's just be honest. None of us are as devoted or as affectionate toward God as we should be this morning. None of us. We all have deficiencies in our devotion. We, also, we often respond to those deficiencies by just going through the motions and acting like Christians. And interestingly, understood in the right way, that's actually exactly what we should do in dealing with the deficiencies in our devotion. So that's what I want us to think about together this morning. Acting like Christians, dealing with the deficiencies in our devotion. Paul actually gives us an example of how to navigate through this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I would invite you to open them to Philippians chapter 3. Our text is going to be verses 12 through 14. I'm going to begin the reading in verse 8, however, to give us a little bit of context. So I'm going to start with verse 8. But again, the main text, verses 12 through 14 of Philippians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you should be able to locate one in one of the chairs in front of you. And our text is on page 571, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 8. So if you're able, I invite you now to stand for the reading of God's word. Paul writes, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And now verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord abides forever. You can be seated. There are three things here that Paul writes about that furnish us with some guidance in dealing with the deficiencies in our devotion. Three things. And those three things are admit, commit, and submit. Those are the three things. Admit, commit, and submit. And so those are going to be the three points that we're going to look at, beginning with admit. The first step in dealing with the deficiencies in your devotion is to admit that you have them. Covering them, hiding them, denying them is not to deal with them. You have to confess your imperfections. And that's exactly what we see Paul doing here in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. And again, he writes in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He admits to his imperfection. He admits to his incompletion, to his shortcomings. Now, this admission is likely in reference to what he writes about concerning his desire in verse 10. That's why I read the context. If you look back in verse 10, he says, that I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And now Paul basically is saying, not that I have already obtained this likeness in his suffering and death. Not that I'm already made perfect. Not that I have arrived at resurrection glory. I'm not there yet. He admits to his imperfection, his incompletion, to all of those shortcomings. 
And so are you willing to admit to your imperfection today to yourself and to others? Are you willing to admit to your imperfections in your devotion to the shortcomings that you experience? Are you willing to admit that you're a work in progress? And as a work in progress, you have not arrived at the peak of spiritual maturity. You have not already been made perfect. As a work in progress, you are beset with sins and struggles and moral failures and dysfunctions. And that's true of you individually and it's true of us corporately. Corporately, we're beset with sins and struggles and dysfunctions. Are you willing to admit that? You're a work in progress. And as a work in progress, sometimes you're an emotional and spiritual mess. Sometimes you are. And sometimes you're an emotional and spiritual mess on Sunday morning when you get here. Maybe for some of you, that's where you are right now. For some of you, this deficiency in your devotion this morning feels like a crater, like a canyon, like an abyss, like a vast expanse between how you're acting and what's actually going on at the level of your heart. I know that we all learn to speak our Christian lines. We can all get really good about, uh, at that. But the truth is, we're all dealing with deficiencies in our devotion, gaps in our godliness, holes in our holiness. And that gets expressed in all kinds of different ways. Perhaps some of you have taught a children's lesson, extolling the glories of God's grace. And then, don't show any grace whatsoever to your own children on the way home. Perhaps that's happened. Perhaps you're someone that acknowledges the moral decay brought on by sexual impurity and the evils of pornography, and you share that with someone at the welcome table talking about the upcoming Pornified Conference, and then on your way home you lust at the jogger that you see. Perhaps you're someone that laments the lack of humility that's displayed in our culture, but in your life you display pride and arrogance and are hypercritical of the people that you work with, the people that you live with, and the people that you're in relationship with. Maybe you're someone that routinely encourages other people to use their time and their resources and their gifts and their talents for eternal things, things that build the kingdom. But if you were to examine your own heart and life, you often waste countless hours staring at a computer screen or messing around on a smartphone. Or you might be somebody who has celebrated the freedom of forgiveness on a theological level, and yet you harbor deep bitterness against those who have sinned against you and have wronged you. Or we talk about how noble it is to be a servant to others, but deep down in our hearts, all we really want is to be left alone by others. Do any of those gaps, any of those deficiencies in your devotion sound familiar to you? Because they sound familiar to me. They sound familiar to me. And if they do sound familiar to you, maybe the question that you're feeling right now is, do these deficiencies mean that I'm not actually a Christian? And the answer to that question is no. That's not what those deficiencies mean. What it does mean is that your sanctification is incomplete. That you have not already arrived at perfection. That you have not been ushered a into the age of resurrection glory. You're not in glory yet. That's what it means. But let's be very clear about something, though. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian, but let's be clear that there are grave and serious dangers with these deficiencies in our devotion to the Lord. Grave and serious dangers. 
But the danger is not in admitting that you have them. That's not the danger. Admitting is the first step in dealing with them. Rather, the dangers in these deficiencies in your devotion is, number one, denying them out of pride or growing comfortable with them. We can't deny that we have them. We need to admit them, confess our imperfections, the deficiencies in our devotion, and we're not to grow comfortable with them. Because while we can say we have not yet entered into the age of glory, we do need to confirm that we're in an age of grace. And it's a grace that not only allows us to admit these deficiencies, it's a grace that requires us and empowers us to commit. To commit, that's the second thing. Commit to growing in godliness, in holiness, in spiritual maturity, in Christ-likeness. In other words, to commit to diminishing those deficiencies in our devotion. Notice that after admitting his imperfection, Paul twice speaks of pressing on. Yeah, I've not already obtained this, but twice he talks about pressing on. This is what our text says. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And he says, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal. So far from growing comfortable with the deficiencies in his devotion and his imperfections, we see Paul pressing on toward complete sanctification, straining forward toward full conformity to Christ, straining forward to Christ-likeness. That's his aim. That's his pursuit. And we are to follow that. We are to be straining forward with all of the effort and all of the energy that we have to become who we are in Christ Jesus and who we're destined to be in glory, aiming for complete devotion. That's the aim. Not growing comfortable in those deficiencies, but pressing on, aiming for complete devotion. But how do we do this exactly? Like, how, what does pressing on look like? Well, notice that Paul in our text talks about making it his own, other translations use taking hold of or laying hold of Christ. And so what's suggested here with this making it our own, laying hold of or taking hold of Christ, is committing to being in the word on a regular basis, committing to a life of prayer, committing to the fellowship of the body of Christ, committing to worship both individually and corporately. And the reason this is suggested is because isn't that how we take hold of Jesus? Isn't that how we lay hold of him? By being in the word, by engaging in prayer, by being in fellowship with his people, by worshiping him. And so that's what it means to make it his own, this sanctification, this growth, this devotion. That's what it requires. But of course, this raises a question, right? What do we do when the deficiencies in our devotion make us not feel like doing these things? I mean, that's part of the problem, right? The deficiencies in our devotion often make us not feel like doing these things. So what are we supposed to do? Keep acting like a Christian. Keep acting like Christians. Whether you feel like it or not, press on. Tim Keller writes something insightful um, in one of his books. He says this, in any relationship, including in our relationship with God, in any relationship, there will be frightening spells in which your feelings of love seem to dry up. In other words, 
when your devotion wanes. Happened, bound to happen in any relationship. And he says, so what do you do? Listen to what Keller says. You do the acts of love despite your lack of feeling. And if you do that, as time goes on, you will not only get through the dry spells, but they will become less frequent and deep, and you will become more constant in your feelings. You will feel that devotion more. We could say it like this. Go through the motions, and the devotion will follow. The feelings of devotion will follow. Go through the motions, and the devotion will follow. It's just a movie, but uh, some of you may have seen the proposal. Part of, some of this is reflected in this film. It's older now. I don't remember what year it came out. Sandra Bullock, uh, Ryan Reynolds. And in this movie, a pushy boss requires her young assistant to marry her so she can keep her work visa and not be deported back to Canada. And so they pretend to be this couple in love who've just gotten married and they go visit Sandra Bullock's family. And as they pretend to be a married couple in love, guess what happens to this couple? They actually fall in love. And there's, there's something true about what's reflected in this movie. Keller mentions it in that quote. C.S. Lewis also gets to this when he wrote in the Screwtape Letters, all mortals tend to turn into the thing they are pretending to be. You're going to turn into the thing that you're pretending to be. And so, act like a Christian. Keep going through the motions. But now you're probably asking, doesn't just this going through the motions and acting like a Christian and pretending just make us hypocrites? And the answer to that question is no. It doesn't make you a hypocrite because there's a huge, huge difference between these things. There's a huge difference between being false and being incomplete. Isn't there? There's a huge difference between being false and being in incomplete. Besides, as a Christian, you're not being a hypocrite and pretending to be someone you're not. As a Christian, you're pretending to be someone that you are. Because the truth is, you are a saint. You are a saint by virtue of your faith in Christ Jesus. You're a saint in Christ, called to grow up into our sainthood. We haven't arrived at perfection yet, but we're called to grow up into that. That's the sh shirt of our sainthood. It doesn't fit us real well right now, right? And it doesn't fit us real well because we're too big in some places. We're too big in pride. And we're too small in other places. We're too small in our love for God and love for other people. So the shirt doesn't quite fit right. But that shirt of our sainthood is the perfect righteousness of Christ. And repeatedly in the scriptures, we're called to put him on. Put off the old self. Put on Christ Jesus and grow up into our sainthood in him. That's what we're doing by going through the motions and committing to acting like Christians, whether we feel like it or not. C.S. Lewis also wrote this in Mere Christianity. He said, very often the only way to get a quality in reality is to start behaving as if you already had it. I mean, we see this all the time. Isn't, the ha isn't this how we learn to play a musical instrument? Isn't this how we grow in athletics? He goes on to say, this is why children's games are so important. Children are always pretending to be grown-ups, playing soldiers, playing shop, but all the time they are hardening their muscles and sharpening their wits so that the pretense of being grown-up helps them grow up in earnest. 
this is what we're doing. Listen, the truth is that we're, we're all children who are learning to speak this language called faith. And when I say this language called faith, I don't mean just words of faith. I mean language as a kind of action, as a way of lifestyle. We're learning this language of our faith, and none of us are getting it perfectly right. We're stuttering and we're stammering. But what we're doing is we're parroting and mimicking this life of Christ. Not perfectly, but as we stammer and as we stutter and as we mimic and as we parrot, we're doing that to learn the language that we will one day speak fluently. We will one day speak it perfectly in glory. Now for now, we're all bad imitations of something good and beautiful. We're all bad imitations of Jesus. But as we commit to the acts and the motions and the rhythms of devotion, we will grow in our love and our affection for God our Savior. And eventually, in glory, the devotion will be perfected. And so in dealing with the deficiencies in your devotion, press on. Keep acting like Christians. Go to church even when you don't feel like it. Sing even when you don't feel like singing. Spend time in the Word and pray, even when you don't feel like it. Move toward people, even when you don't feel like it. You might think, that's really hard to do. Yes, it's hard. We have to rely on the power of the Spirit. But remember this for encouragement. How often have we experienced the benefit of doing those exact things? When we decide to do something that we know we should do, it's right to do it, we don't feel like it, but we do it anyway, how often do we regret those things? More often than not, we walk away from those things saying, I'm so glad I went to worship this morning. I'm so glad I attended the prayer meeting. I'm so glad I went to Bible study. I'm so glad I went to life group. This happens over and over and over again in our experience. And so press on, regardless of how you're feeling in that moment. To do that is not being false. You're rehearsing for glory. You're anticipating the age to come when you do that. If the devotion isn't there, go with the desire to have the devotion. If that desire for the devotion isn't there, act on the desire to have the desire to be that devoted. And if that's not there, act on the desire for the desire for the desire for the devotion. Because sometimes that's, that's all we have, but any level of desire is from the Spirit. Seize on that. Rely on the Spirit. Go through those motions to be who you are. But remember that we do all of this in the truth of the gospel as we submit. Submit. Very important point here. Like Paul in verse 13, we press on to make it our own, right? But what does Paul say? Because Christ Jesus has made us his own already. We do it with this freedom of submission. We strive to take hold of Jesus in the reality that he's already taken hold of us in his grace. And so even as we press on, even as we're straining forward to what lies ahead in glory, we are submitting to the finished work of Jesus for us and resting secure in him. He's already taken hold of us. And that propels us and motivates us, that grace, the reality of that grace. Because our ultimate hope and security is not to be found in the progress that we make in our sanctification. That's not where our ultimate security is. And our ultimate hope and security is not in the level of our devotion to our Savior. Our ultimate hope and security is in the level of His devotion to us. 
a devotion that he displayed to us by dealing with all the deficiencies in our devotion with his outstretched arms on the cross where he paid for all of our deficiencies, all of our shortcomings, all of our sins. He's put them away. And he's dealt with our deficiencies also through his perfect devotion to the Father, which is credited to you who by faith have submitted to him as Redeemer and King. That is counted as yours, that perfect devotion. And because it's yours, grow up into that in the power of the Spirit. So we can say with Paul Tripp, it's okay to admit that we're not complete in character, that there are moments when we lack the character that's needed. It's okay, by the way, to admit that we don't have the devotion that we should have when we enter into the sanctuary. We're not going to have perfect devotion. We haven't arrived at the age of resurrection glory. It's okay to admit that we fall short when it comes to strength, and it's okay to do that because of the gospel. There is no solid rock of hope to be found but the rock Christ Jesus. And so, admit that you're not perfect. Admit that there's still a lot of work to be done in your heart and life to reach spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in my heart and my life to reach Christ-likeness and spiritual maturity. We can admit that. But as we admit it, let's commit to growing up into our sainthood. Let's press on and strain forward to being who we are in Christ Jesus. And as we do that, let's submit to him and rest in his work for us in the gospel. Remembering what Paul writes earlier in this very letter, in chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 6, we read this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will bring it to perfection. He will do it. This is what God has promised. This is his work in you. And this is what empowers and propels us to strain ahead, to press on, because he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, where we will be ushered in to glory, where we will be fully and perfectly conformed to the image of Jesus, where we will fully be who we have aimed at being, and where there will be no more deficiencies in our devotion, because our devotion will have been made perfect, so we can worship our God and our Savior throughout all ages, forever and ever. This is what God has promised. This is what he is doing. And so we can press on to make it our own, admitting, committing, and submitting to him. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, we do confess in humility our sinfulness, our deficiency in our devotion. But Lord, we thank you for your spirit that works within us, and we pray that we would respond to the presence of your spirit, the power of your spirit, by committing to pressing on to make what you have promised us glory of worshiping you in perfect fellowship and perfect delight that we would strive for to make that our own because we rest in the gospel that you have made us your own. We rejoice in that, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen.